Hi, and welcome to Family Home Evening with Bad Mormons. We're the sisters who like to drink and make you laugh. You're welcome. And, oh, also, we're not very good at being Mormon. No. Hence the, the name, name of our podcast. We, yeah. Yes. Fill in the blank. So, here we are. It's a beautiful day. In the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you may or may not hear the sounds of World War Three happening as we record this <laughs> podcast because we live very close to Camp Pendleton and somebody's doing some fucking helicopter exercises over our house. Pew, pew. Anyways, cheers. Cheers. What are we drinking today, Charlotte? It's the sweet nectar of life. <laughs> Which we call champagne. Huzzah! Cheers. <laughs> Um, I'm just gonna say, hey patrons, you fucking rule. You guys do rule. You totally fucking rule, and we love you so much. Right? Without you, life really just wouldn't be worth living. It's true. Or recording. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, thank you so much, and we hope that you're drinking along with us. Agreed. Um, I'm gonna jump right in and repent for last week, uh, when I was editing last week's episode, I said the word child porn probably 147 times (laughs) due to the nature of the bullshit that was happening. And as I was listening to it, I was like, God, I just, I don't like that. I don't like that. And then as I was kind of like doing some research, I realized that people don't really call it that anymore. And it's called CSAM for child sexual abuse material. Ah, that's much better. It is, right? Because porn is... It's sexualizing something that needs to not be sexualized. Exactly. Hence the you know, severity of the crime of it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, I repent for that and I learned a lesson and I will never use those words. What is it called again? C-S-A-M, child sexual abuse material. So yeah, I'm sorry for that. And uh, I learned a lesson. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Mormon corner. What are we doing? (laughs) Uh, So I (laughs) I found a thing that I thought you might enjoy. Not enjoy, but enjoy. <laughs> and apparently it was like a talk at a state conference or something back in 76. And it was, it's called Two Young Men Only. It's being addressed <laughs> to the young men. And apparently they kicked all the females out. And they're like, this is for you, young men. You've heard of the little factory euphemism, right? No. I've heard of it. I didn't know the extent of where it came from. And this publication really just clarified a lot of things for me, which I'm extra disturbed. So instead of a fun Mormon corner, we're going to do some bullshit 70s Mormon corner. (laughs) Back when the Mormons were the worst. Yeah, I mean, it's true. that's objective, but... It's true. Boyd K. Packer gave this talk to, or an address, I'm sorry, uh, given at the priesthood session of General Conference on October 2nd, 1976, And I'm going to just paraphrase it. Basically, it just kind of talks about how, you know, men are special and they possess the power to create life and blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to get to the good stuff. Boyd K. Packer says probably the greatest challenge to people of any age, particularly young people, and the most difficult thing you will face in mortal life. (laughs) Is not jerking it. Is to learn to control (laughs) your thoughts. (laughs) He says, this power of creation affects your life several years before you should express it fully. You must always guard the power with manly wisdom. You must wait until the time of your marriage to use it. During that waiting, what do you do with these desires? My boy, you are to control them. 
you are forbidden to use them now in order that you may use them with worthiness and virtue and fullness of joy at the proper time in life. Ejaculate. Ejaculate in 30 seconds. (laughs) I wish to explain something that will help you understand your young manhood and help you develop self-control. When this power begins to form, it might be likened to having a little factory in your body, one designed to produce the product that can generate life. Can you guess what that product is? Semen. It's true. It's semen. (laughs) I felt like I was traumatized as a young woman, but oh my God. My little factory in my dick. (laughs) This little factory moves quietly into operation as a normal and expected pattern of growth begins to produce the life-giving substance. It will do so perhaps as long as you live. It works very slowly. This is the way it should be. For the most part, unless you tamper with it, you will hardly be aware that it's working at all. Wait, what? (laughs) As you move closer to manhood, this little factory will sometimes produce an oversupply of this substance. The Lord has provided a way for it to be released. It will happen without any help or without any resistance from you. Perhaps one night you'll have a dream. In the course of it. (laughs) Yes, this is really (laughs) happening. In the course of it, the release valve that controls the factory will open and release all that excess. The factory and the automatic release work on their own schedule. The Lord intended it to be that way. It's to regulate itself. This will not happen very often. You may go a longer period of time and there will be no need for this to occur. When it does, you should not feel guilty. It's the nature of young manhood and part of becoming a man. There is, however, something you should never do. (laughs) You can guess where I'm going with this, right? Go on. I'd love to hear more. Sometimes a young man does not understand. Perhaps he's encouraged by the unwise or unworthy companions to tamper with that factory. He might fondle himself and open that release valve. This you should not do. For if you do that, the little factory will speed up. You will then be tempted again and again to release it. You can quickly be subjected to a habit, one that's not worthy, and one that will leave you feeling depressed, guilty, Resist that temptation. Do not be guilty of tampering with or playing with this sacred power of creation. Keep it in reserve for the time when it can be righteously employed. One of you, perhaps, has not fully understood until now. Perhaps your father did not talk to you. You may have already been guilty of tampering with these powers. (laughs) (laughs) It goes on. It's like, you can stop now and the Lord will still love you, basically. Pray for all those little babies that weren't created with your misuse of semen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, now, now I'm going to get, I, I skipped a bunch of bullshit. Um, now I'm going to get to the final warning. Okay. Now a warning from Boyd K. Packer, who's getting this message directly from God, by the way. Now a warning. I'm hesitant to even mention it for it is not pleasant. It must be labeled as a major transgression, but I will speak plainly. There are some circumstances in which young men may be tempted to handle one another, to have contact with one another physically and in unusual ways. Oh no. Latter-day Saint young men are not to do this. Sometimes this begins in a moment of idle foolishness when boys are just playing around, but it is not foolishness. It is remarkably dangerous. Such practices, however tempting, sounds like he's gay, doesn't it? 100%. (laughs) Like, I don't know in any instance where I'm like, oh, hey, let me just touch your junk because I'm curious to see what it would do. (laughs) Such practices, however tempting, (laughs) are perversion. (laughs) 
<laughs> when a young man is finding his way into manhood, such experiences can misdirect his normal desires and pervert him, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually as well. It was intended that we use this power only with our partner in marriage. I repeat very plainly, physical mischief with another man is forbidden. It's forbidden <laughs> by the Lord. <laughs> Oh, I love it. It's so, so fucked up. It's so obviously written by a gay man. Right. Hmm. He's like, oh, what are all the things I want to happen to me? Wait, no, no. <laughs> this, you shall not. <laughs> it shall not be done. The Lord has forbiddeth it. <laughs> forbiddeth. Uh, you know, uh, I kind of started reading the CES letter. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. It's We didn't really get into religion that heavily because we left when we were kids or I left when I was a kid you never really got super into it right uh, but the CES letter is basically just a kind of a list of factual inaccuracies and contradictions in the book like for example you know if the Mormon Book of Mormon was written before the Bible and it's like the oldest text and it's like the magical end-all be-all of the religion why is it written word for word exactly like the King's J- King James edits from, because you know. Because King James stole from the Book of Mormon. <laughs> well. Re- what, what mom told me was, is that, because like, what's the difference between the Bible and the Book of Mormon? She's like, oh, the King, J- or the, the Bible is like missing, like they interpreted it wrong. So it's like some of the same text, but they interpreted what the meaning was, was different or wrong or whatever. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't know if that's the same thing as this is, because it's like, I'll, I'll have to, I want, I started reading and it's actually pretty interesting, and then there's a lot, right. <laughs> and so it gets kind of boring, so maybe next week for Mormon Corner I'll paraphrase that. Perfect. But yeah, the one that, the very first thing in there was, it's like, how did Joseph Smith use the language from, the exact language from the King James Version, which is an edited version of the Bible, if the Book of Mormon was written before the Bible was right. ever, uh, or this King right. James Version was ever written, <laughs> and buried in the ground, or whatever. Uh, That's right. Like, I forgot that there's so many versions of the fucking Bible. Yeah. And there's all this Stupid. shit, too. Like, like Moroni and Camorra and all these names are actually from, uh, they're from these Captain Kid pirate stories. <laughs> and, I mean, the, the map of his, like, supposed, you know, American Israelite Nephite Lamanite land is pretty much exactly... New York. <laughs> it's anyways. It's really funny. I'll I'll uh, I'll do a little bit more research and we can talk about Fabulous. that next week because that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's Mormon Corner. The website that I found that from, in case anybody wants to read it in its entirety, is called LayTreasuresInHeaven.com. Lay Treasures and Heaven. Lay Treasures in Heaven. In Heaven. Okay. Dot com. I'm assuming treasures means men. <laughs> and their factory. And I take it back. It's not in their dick. It's in their testicles. Yes. That's where semen comes That's from. the factory. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The little factory the warehouse. explained. The, the factory is in the testicles. The warehouse is the penis. <laughs> and you wield this great and magical power. And I'm you must ejaculate. be worthy to do so. <laughs> or the Lord shall smite at you. <laughs> Can we only talk like that from now on? I don't sure. think I could do it, but it, I wish I could. I wish that was my superpower. And behold, cool shit was spoken to the people of the internet. And lo, hear ye people. Here is and some we re- cool shit. And we rejoice. Cool shit. Yeah, I got some, uh, I got some feedback 
actually, we were talking about microdosing yeah. last week. I got some feedback from one of our listeners who was basically like saying she does it on and off for the last 20 years. Oh, that's and rad. it's incredible. It's like, you know, this person had like a bipolar diagnosis okay. and changed it down. Like it basically made it better to the point where now it's a like a controllable OCD kind of a oh, situation. Nice. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to start doing it. Um, I just have to get my hands on to some. And I, there's a few different resources I could get it from. I'm taking from work off from Christmas to New Year's and I figure I'll do it then when I don't have to worry about getting into trouble. Like, like what if, what if, uh, you know, the hair starts breathing as I'm trying to highlight it, that would be bad. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait to do it on my day off, uh, for that week off. And then hopefully, cause what, yeah, I think I told you like, I'm pretty ADD where I can like squirrel. Um, and I need to focus on things. So I was like, I have a lot of work that I want to get done. So I want to do that, get that work done. And I actually am really excited because I'm going about two towns over to spend the night in a hotel room for three days where I'm not going to do anything except for work so I can't be distracted and I'll do my, my microdosing. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it sounds sounds good. Apparently from what the feedback is is that you don't see any sort of like hallucinations or visuals. It's really just like a focus and attention thing. Perfect. So. I wonder if it's like a mood like enhancer. like Stabilizer. Like, a sta- like, like a, I'm in a better mood because I like that too. Yeah. I like to be an overall positive person and not so angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we should stop doing this podcast then because you're not going to like some of the things I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I was, uh, was going to say, are we done with cool shit? Are we no. going straight into this motherfucker? No, I, I have a couple things okay. actually. Uh, have you heard about Kellogg's, the Kellogg strike that's been going on for like, I want to say months now. No. They're really underpaying their employees and it's some bullshit and they've been striking and um, they, I guess they were advised by uh, strike breaking consultants. I'm saying that in quotes. Um, so they're saying basically they're going to fire the strikers who refused um, their, I don't know, offer, I guess. They're just going right. to fire them. So that's what the design consultants recommended. So they're firing all these people and they're taking applications online, you know, to basically refill their workforce. And so millennials and Gen Z applied en masse via their website and basically crashed it. They had no intention of taking the jobs. It was right, like right. a TikTok thing right, right, right. <laughs> where they're like, fuck these assholes. Yeah, TikTok is kind of amazing. It's great. <laughs> it's kind of the same idea as when they were like selling out the Trump rallies and nobody was showing up because everyone's getting fake tickets because right. they were free. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, anyways, TikTok is at it again, fucking over somebody who needs to be fucked over, that. which is yeah. Kellogg's. Kellogg's can afford to pay their workers. Stop being such a cheap bitch. For sure. And then I actually came across a little, just a quick side note, uh, when I was looking this stuff up, I had no idea that the guy who founded Kellogg's, so I guess it was a couple of brothers, he was like kind of a huge Nazi back in the day. Like he was super into eugenics um, oh. and, you know, segregation and, you know, genetic manipulation to like take out traits that were unfavorable right. and create a super race, like Gattaca sort of okay. a thing. I want to say I knew something slightly that had to do with one of the Kellogg's brothers. I want to say he had like syphilis and went insane, but like, I don't know the for sure thing on it. I saw it on an episode of drunk history. Yeah. So yeah. Other cool shit is drunk history. So those who have never watched it, it they put it on comedy central and the comedy central one's pretty good. But if you go back and just watch the YouTube ones, the original ones, they're the best. They're actually the best. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he was. He would do all kinds of weird shit. Like he was a promo, proponent of like chill, child genital mutilation. What and the fuck is wrong with people? To try to curb sexual desire. I Him don't know. And PK fill in the blank to get together. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> fuck each other and get out of their systems. Right. Uh, anyway, so that was cool. 
also real quick did you this is going to be way late because this is not last saturday night live today's sunday that we're recording this but the saturday night live of the week before that i was in la with courtney and we were watching it did you see that uh-uh. oh my god it was so fucking funny they had a skit billy eilish was on first of all okay. which was great she was awesome and uh they had this skit that was basically um dr fauci uh what's her name that does dr fauci oh um kate mckinnon yeah kate yeah, mckinnon McKinnon. Kate McKinnon does Dr. Fauci. And uh, I can't remember. Somebody played Ted Cruz beautifully. Uh, It was really great. But then they had Cecily Strong as uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Chloe Fineman as Lauren Boebert. And so they're both standing there uh, in their, like, outfits holding these big, like, AR-15 rifles. And they're, like, (laughs) basically just, like, the government is using this fake disease to take away our freedoms. First they said they were going to get a vaccine, and then they did. And then it worked. And then people started taking it, and they stopped dying. <laughs> what do they think we are, dumb? <laughs> Shit like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but and then Lauren Boebert says, would they give somebody who's dumb a gun? Yes. <laughs> it was so fucking hilarious. I, uh, I posted it on our social media today, if you want to check it out. But Lauren Boebert, I guess, was really pissed and, like, tweeted some insane response to it that just made her look Even more stupid. Yeah. Not even going (laughs) to tell you what she said because it's not even worth it. But uh, the fact that she got so bent out of shape was hilarious. It means it's working. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, props, cool shit, shout out to that whole skit. We uh, finally canceled cable, so I can't watch just Saturday Night Live at my my fancy anymore unless I sign up for Peacock or whatever. Or YouTube or... Well, you. oh yeah, I guess YouTube would yeah. have it. They just won't have the entire episode, just the skits, which is actually perfect for SNL. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I watched something today on Twitter that I thought was cool was, um, and I retweeted it, re- retweeted it on my Twitter, so we'll have to retweet, tweet, this is hard to say. <laughs> I re- tweet, retweeted it on my Twitter, so we'll have to have the FHE Bad Mormons retweet it as well. But it was a doctor answering phone like he was kind of like a love line type of thing but for you know covid type stuff or whatever and someone was saying i just don't understand why i have to get a vaccine when i exercise i eat right i am overall generally healthy i shouldn't have to get a vaccine he's like so let me ask you this you're a healthy person you do all those things does that mean you are not going to wear a condom when you have sex with somebody who has gonorrhea or syphilis well, no, you're missing the point. He's like, no, no, I know exactly what the point is. Your body's so healthy, would you have sex with somebody who has gonorrhea or syphilis unprotected? No, you wouldn't. This is a stupid conversation. I'm not continuing it. And it was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Right. You know, actually, I had, uh, I put this in the wrong column, but I actually do have one more thing for cool shit. Have you heard about the Dominion lawsuit with Fox News? Slightly. And it sounds amazing. Yeah. So essentially, uh, Fox News, during the whole election fraud scandal coverage, they basically... The big lie. The big lie. The steal. They um, They were not providing a fair and balanced view of what was actually happening, obviously. Uh, And Dominion, who's the company that makes the voting machines... Uh, sued them basically for a 1.8 billion dollars for defamation and you know yes. a, a bunch of other shit 
And just a couple days ago, a um, Fox News has been trying to have that dismissed and dropped. And just a couple days ago, a judge basically is allowing that lawsuit to go forward. Perfect. Which is amazing. So now, so they've lost the motion to dismiss Dominion defamation lawsuit on reports of election fraud. So the next discovery is where internal emails and sworn testimony are all up for grabs from Tucker Carlson all the way up to Rupert Murdoch. So this could be fucking fun. <laughs> I would just love to see Fox News completely just destroyed. bankrupt and destroyed. Right? <laughs> that would be amazing. And, I, you know, it would be nice to go back to some sort of fair and balanced news. Like, we've talked about it before, but the whole uh, fairness doctrine that, mm-hmm. that uh, Republicans, uh, what's his name, Ronald Reagan got rid of, which was if you were going to have a point on something you had to have a counterpoint to it right. and, and allow equal time for it. So that way you're not just getting unbiased, opinionated news. Yeah, you're not just getting Fox News or CNN news. Right. It's like, I, I'd a... like to see that across the board. So as much as I think Fox started this shit, um, it'd be nice if they could end it as well because fuck it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it was a judge in Delaware. Perfect. Here's a, I love this Twitter account, Spiro Agnew's Ghost. He says, a Delaware state judge on Thursday refused to dismiss a lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems against Fox News Media surrounding Fox's coverage of the 2020 election after Fox requested the dismissal. The defamation lawsuit seeks $1.6 billion, with a B, in yes. damages. That's perfect. Well, because I know, it's it Tucker Carlton? I'm not sure about him. I could be wrong. But I know for sure the Alex Jones lawsuit was that he tried coming back with no reasonable person would think I was being serious. So I'm sure that that's what Fox News is going to be like. Well, no reasonable person would think that I was being serious about this whole election fraud thing. Well, no, they're actually saying, uh, actually, I'll read you the statement from Fox. They say, as we have maintained, Fox News, along with every single news organization across the country, vigorously covered the breaking news surrounding the unprecedented 2020 election, providing full context on every story with in-depth reporting and clear-cut analysis. We remain committed to defending against this baseless lawsuit and its all-out assault on the First Amendment. (laughs) And uh, basically Dominion saying that Fox and its news personnel continued to report Dominion supported connection to the election fraud claims without also reporting on Dominion's emails, given that Fox apparently refused to report contrary evidence, including evidence from the Department of Justice. The complaint's allegations support the reasonable inference that Fox intended to keep Dominion's side of the story out of the narrative. That's coming from the judge. Perfect. So I'm really excited to see what's going to go on with that. That is super cool. Super cool shit. That is super cool shit. (laughs) I'll cross that off of this motherfucker and move it over where it belongs. (laughs) (laughs) Although I can understand the confusion because Fox is a fucking motherfucker. Absolutely. Well, maybe it'll be Dominion news from now on. Yes. (laughs) Cheers to that. All right. Are you ready for the the onslaught? I guess. (laughs) First up in this motherfucker... Have you heard of Michelle Odinet? No. She's a judge. She was a judge in Louisiana. Okay. Uh, she was caught on videotape, um, not her face, but her voice. Her and her family members were in their house watching a video, video footage of somebody trying to break into their house, right? Um, the language that she used while she was watching that, basically she just kept using the N-word over and yep. over again. She was like, uh, let me quote her. We replaced the N-word with ninja. 
Yeah. I'll tell you exactly what she said and I'll replace it with ninja. Mom's yell. So this is a quote. Mom's yelling, ninja, ninja, a male voice says, recounting the incident while watching security footage. We have a ninja. It's a ninja, like a roach. Right? This is a judge. A judge in Louisiana. Right? Louisiana's fucking racist. Yeah, totally. So her lawyers reached out to the state of Louisiana and said she was going to, you know, take an unpaid leave while she considers her options going forward in the coming weeks. And um, basically what they did was they put in an ad hoc judge in her place. Two, two people have already filed motions that they want their case dismissed or dropped or retried because she's obviously biased and racist against them. Right. And they, they happen to be African-American. So they're right. like, that's not fair. You can't, yeah. you know, a judge can't have bias. Exactly. Yeah. And then the court finally did order that she be, quote, hereby disqualified from exercising judicial functions without salary during dependency of further proceedings in these matters. And then there was actually one guy uh, who's a justice, was a member of the seven justice court system to dissent to that. He's just like, I condemn the language, but we don't know what happened. So like one old white guy. Right, right. I'm assuming he's white. He's got to be white. (laughs) But yeah, anyways, just like imagine how much of that shit goes on and doesn't get recorded. I mean, it's constant. And that's what this whole like, like he's using the word movement, but like movements about it's like well no i just hate the word movement like oh it's a movement but it's fine it's a movement it's been a movement since the 60s right but you think oh racism's gone it's like well clearly it isn't and just i don't know i I don't have any words for it because i don't even know how to describe how stupid like stupid it is for people to just be like this isn't a thing and it's like it's a it's a thing it's clearly a thing and it's been a thing that hasn't gone away this whole time Mm mm-hmm uh, should we talk about Joe Manchin? Yeah, that fucking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually is just breaking today. So uh, in case you haven't heard, the the current White House has been trying to pass this Build Better Act. Build Back, Build back Better. Yeah. The bullet points are it's the most transformative investment in children and caregiving, so it's going to save people money on how much they have to pay for child care. It's the largest effort to combat climate change in American history. Um, the framework's going to cut greenhouse gas pollution by a shit ton. They want to advance environmental justice, uh, come up with clean ed- energy solutions, etc. And um, it also includes the biggest expansion on affordable health care coverage in a decade. And it is the most significant effort to bring down costs and strengthen the middle class in generations. And they're talking about how um, it's going to be fully paid for and reduce the deficit. And it's being paid for by basically making sure that large profitable corporations can't zero out their tax bills. They're not going to be rewarded for shifting jobs and profits overseas. And they're going to ask more from millionaires and billionaires and stop rich Americans from cheating on their tax bills. Right. Under this historic agreement, nobody earning less than 400000 a year will make a penny more in taxes. Right? Which is most of us. Right. It's 90-something percent of us, I'm right. sure. I didn't look that up. But, you know, it's not a lot of people that make over 400000 a year. Right. So they've been, you know... There have been some opposition to certain parts of it, uh, particularly coming from two very conservative Democrats, uh, Kristen Sinema, Sinema and Joe Manchin. And all the way up until actually today, Joe Manchin has been working with the White House saying that, yeah, he's on board, he's going to go for it. 
And uh, then today on Fox News, on the broadcast, he's like, no, this is dead in the water. I'm not doing it. And it, essentially, if he doesn't vote for it, it is dead in the water. Right. Simply because that's the that's how narrow the, the majority right. is in Which, Congress in right now. In 22, we need to just fucking slaughter all of the Republicans <laughs> because... Yeah, super important. Because then it doesn't come down to one motherfucker who claims is a Democrat, a progressive Democrat, but is in fact a fucking Republican. Absolutely. This this dude is a millionaire, and he made his millions off of coal, which is exactly against what this bill is going for. He drives a fucking Maserati. He lives on a yacht. Right. And he's going to lose money if this thing goes through. Personally... Right. So. Well, so I, I like to follow the angry staffer mm-hmm. um, on Twitter, and he was like, oh, Manchin, can't vote for this because of inflation. Economists, but this will lower inflation. Yeah, but the debt, it won't raise that either. Yeah, so I, like I was saying, this is devastating for my coal money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, exactly. Right? Uh, Jen Psaki, who's the, the press secretary, she put out a statement right after that thing aired, And she says, Senator Manchin's comments on this morning on Fox are at odds with his discussions this week with the president, with the White House staff, with his own public utterances. Weeks ago, Senator Manchin committed to the president at his home in Wilmington to support this Build Back Better framework that the president then subsequently announced. So, right, he said, I'm in, I'll do it. Then the president announced it. And then he goes on Fox News and he's like, go fuck yourself. I mean, basically what do you happened. think if a bunch of people like emailed him and just flooded his inbox and bombarded him? I mean, it would, it would help if it was people from his district and state and whatnot. West Virginia. West Virginia. But like, like, what an asshole. Because here's my thing. And I've probably said it before and I'll say it again. Anybody who works to represent the people, one, should not be allowed to make any more money than the median household from who they represent. They can't make money on stock markets. So this goes Pelosi, too, because she, she makes a lot of money in the stocks and refuses to have any sort of, like, um, regulation for them being able to that, that be That just part of came it. up, and she was like, nope. Right. She's like, nope. We, it's a free market. And it's like, oh, because you'll lose money? They shouldn't be allowed to. You want to do that? You're out of office. End of story. You don't get to make laws that make it easier for you to do your thing and harder for other people to make money. Like, that's... Oh, I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. So it's just like... How do we make that a thing? Where it's got to be voted into. It's got to become a law because they're not going to make it a law because they're voting against their better interests. But yet here as Americans, we vote against our better interests all the time because we're like, well, one day we might be rich. Sorry, I'm talking about Republicans who vote against their better interests at this point. Right. Yeah. No, it's totally fucked. I mean, the only way really is get progressive people in office. Stop fucking voting for Republicans. Term limits. Term limits and then voting rights. Stop suppressing voter rights, term limits, and you can't make money. You can't pass laws that'll be uh, financially beneficial to you. Right. I think we just solved the whole problem of United (laughs) States politics. (laughs) Now, how do you enforce it? (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, a a lot of this motherfucker going on today. Yeah. I had a whole list of other shit, too, and I was like, nope, Joe Manchin, <laughs> this motherfucker. I was going to say, I'm, re- I'm going to read out what you retweeted on Twitter through the account, which is said, Joe Manchin wakes up every morning on a yacht he paid for with coal money and drives his Maserati to the Capitol to tell the working people of this country what is and isn't entitlement. <laughs> exactly. How about this? Joe Manchin, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, you <laughs> motherfucker. Well... While Joe Manchin is fucking himself, why don't we hear a word from our sponsors? Great idea. (laughs) 
If the Lord invited you into his home, what would you wear? Would you go with a messy hair or a short skirt or unclean feet or stained baptismal clothing? Going to the temple is an invitation into the Lord's house. And baptizing the dead is a sacred and important responsibility. Don't you want to be looking and feeling your best? Well, now you can with Heavenly White. With Heavenly White All-Purpose Cleaner, your embarrassing stains will be whiter than Jesus. Heavenly White is a lifesaver around the house. But did you know that just a teaspoon of Heavenly White in your morning postum can help guide your soul on its path to spiritual glory? If impure thoughts, strong drinks, and too few offspring are jeopardizing your rightful place in the celestial kingdom, try Heavenly White, now with the added stain-fighting power of the Holy Spirit. we're back welcome back welcome back to the podcast where you get angry and then you laugh and then you get drunk and then you cry and then you laugh and then you decide to be a better person by the end of it (laughs) or is that just us oh yeah that might just be us (laughs) um i have a well i was gonna say i have a great story for you this week that is not a great story it's a horrible story oh so trigger warning murder yeah uh so i'm just gonna jump right into it Cool with you? Cool with me. So, um, I don't know how many episodes back this was, but uh, in one of the back episodes, I told a story about how me and some of my friends got in some trouble. Uh, We got busted with some drugs. There were a lot of different kinds of drugs in this house, and there was one person who, I'm just going to call him Joe, uh, one person who had already been in trouble with drugs a few times before and ended up taking the rap for all the drugs that were in the house. There was a little bit of LSD. There was a lot of weed. Right. Um, you know, it's not like we had fucking heroin and shit right. in there. I don't know. There might have been. cooking meth. Yeah, there might have been a little of that. There was definitely a little bit of meth for sure. But um, it was it basically just a real short version of that story was the, the cops came in. You know, they gloved up. They separated all of us, put us in different rooms. I happened to be sitting in the kitchen. And I had a little personal stash of drugs on me that they didn't find, luckily, because it was in kind of a secret pocket in my bag. So I'm sitting there waiting. The cops are going through everything. And this guy comes up to the door and he looks at me and he's like, hey, I'm looking for Joe. And I look around very dramatically and I'm like, you have the wrong house. And he's holding up. Then he pull, pulls out of his pocket. He holds up a pipe. Like, and this, these are the old kind of metal weed pipes, you know, that you'd screw together. You'd make out of nuts and bolts and shit from the hardware store and put a screen in it. He holds this pipe up and it's clean. It's never been used for anything. He holds this pipe up. He's like, no, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to meet Joe. And I look at one cop and I shrugging my shoulders and I put my hands palm up and I'm pointing at two cops with each of my hands. And I'm like, I think you have the wrong house, buddy. Just like that. Right. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he's like, no, man, I'm here. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, shit. Um, And then the cop comes out and he's like, well, hold on. What's your name? Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. Um, Let me see what's in your pockets. And he pulls out a wad of cash out of one pocket and has that pipe in his hand. And the cop's like, I'll take those. Takes them away from him and the guy walks away. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Because that kid was a narc. It was a police informant, and he's the one who told the cops where we were and what we had and all this shit. Of course. Right? Uh, I'm pretty sure I've already told that story. I didn't know. Not the money part of it. Oh. I heard the story about the guy who took the rap for you guys. Yeah. But not the, uh, that there was an informant. Yeah. Yeah, there was an informant. And so much later after that, uh, we had, I was in the parking lot of uh, Smith's, (laughs) Smith's and Logan, 
And we were, this is so trashy, but we were, I was with some friends who were selling food stamps for money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty fucking trashy. So, you know, this was back in the day before we had cards, you know, you'd get the paper booklet of food stamps. And so it's like, you'd sell somebody a hundred dollars worth of food stamps for $25. So they could, you know, they were like, oh yeah, it's a great deal. I get a hundred bucks worth of food. We had money for smokes and booze or whatever. Where I didn't have the food stamps, but wherever they were getting the food stamps, I'm sure they were stealing them from their parents or right. their grandparents or whatever. So anyways, we're we're doing that. We got this little scam going in the Smith's parking lot. And uh, Joe was there. So I think this had been after he had been released because he had to go to jail for that. He had right. to go to prison for that, actually. Um, so he was back. And then there were some other guys that were all friends. And we're all we'd been in that circle since for a long time. And actually, a lot of us are still friends to this day. And they were talking about, oh, yeah, this this motherfucker, Cody Nielsen, Cody Nielsen, we're going to kick his ass. You know, we know it was him, you know, and I was like, yeah, that I saw it. I saw the whole thing happen. Yeah, that, that is absolutely what happened. Like, we knew he was a snitch, you know, and it's kind of like that tough guy, like, right. stupid shit. Um, but so, but Cody Nielsen. I was going to say, you said his first and last name, so I'm guessing. <laughs> Cody Lynn Nielsen is his name. <laughs> <laughs> He's a couple years older than I am. He went on shortly after that so in 2000 he went on to murder oh, a girl geez. right and the story of her murder i'd never really like looked that much into it but i do remember it being a thing that was going around like oh my god that kid that snitched on you guys for having drugs he murdered a girl and it was just like oh my god what the fuck that's so fucked up so i'm going to tell you the story of what happened to that girl so here's what happened according to uh, Unsolved Mysteries. It'll, it was unsolved for a little while, and then it became solved pretty quickly. Update. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in June, June 24th of 2000, 15-year-old Trisha Autry vanished from her home in Hiram, Utah. Her mother, Joanne, discovered she was missing. She and her other daughters searched the neighborhood to no avail. Sadly, Trisha's adolescence had not been easy. She was often ostracized and made fun of and bullied by a lot of the kids at school. She didn't have a lot of close friends. And as a uh, result, the police suspected that she may have run away. However, she left all of her belongings behind. Um, She was wearing like a ratty old pair of shoes and like clothes from the same day. Like she she didn't she had money in her room. She didn't take any of her money. She was just gone. And her family suspected that she may have planned to meet somebody from the internet. So, like, being a, you know, nerdy kid who gets picked on, she was in a lot of chat rooms, spending a lot of time on the internet. She would write stories. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And this is 2000, so, like, the internet's still fairly new. Newish, yeah. And chat rooms were, like, a big thing before. I was going to say, I think that was the whole time. I was, like, 98 to, to... 2000 I was probably in a lot of chat rooms yeah it yeah was like 16 17 yeah yeah so yeah totally and and uh you know being kind of bullied and picked on at school for being different like that resonates you know and she's in Utah right so you know I completely can visualize everything that's going on with this poor girl so um prior to her disappearance she wrote several fantasy stories she started writing one two weeks before she disappeared According to her family, on some occasions, she would stay up all night writing. She stayed up late the night she vanished, working on the computer in the family room. Her sister, Brienne, last saw her typing at 2.30, and then they checked in on her at 6 in the morning, checked her room, and she was gone. Uh, So when her mom looked at the computer, so they have one computer in the family room, right? right? Um, She found that her story wasn't there. 
and she was apparently doing something else throughout the night. Uh, the police focused on her computer. They brought in forensic experts, and they discovered that she had three separate email accounts, and that she had spent all these time, all this time in chat rooms. And then there was also evidence that she had deleted a large amount of emails and other files at 3 a.m. on the morning that she vanished. Um, and this forensic uh, scientist is the one who kind of figured that out. And he he or she believes that somebody taught her and walked her through the motions of how to delete this stuff because it was fairly complicated. Right. Um, and so this kind of led them on this path that maybe she was abducted or whatever by somebody that she met on the internet, which is not the case. <laughs> I'm oh, just going to okay. say spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> That's not what happened. But it, it was kind of a diversion um, that prolonged figuring out what really did happen. So... Uh, on several occasions, neighbors the neighbors noticed suspicious activity near the Autry home. Two weeks before Trisha vanished, a neighbor had seen her get out of a red car. The neighbor felt that the way she left the car and walked back home was suspicious, as if she did not want to be seen. According to another neighbor, the car appeared again at 4 a.m. on the morning of her disappearance. The driver, a young man, got out and walked around. He appeared to be nervous. A few minutes later, a girl matching Trisha's description met him, got him, and got into the car. On the day she vanished, just two hours after she was seen getting into the car, she was seen by a clerk at the Mini Mart a few miles from her house, and the clerk said she'd been looking out the window as if she was waiting for somebody. The clerk asked if she was all right. She replied she was fine. She left after 20 minutes without buying anything, but she was just, like, standing in the convenience store looking, looking around, looking for somebody, looking nervous. And the clerk knew Trisha from the neighborhood. Right. Hiram is like a yeah, not a big small. place. Yeah, It's like uh, 20 minutes outside of Logan, which is, you know, where I grew up. Uh, let's see. It goes on to say there were several sightings of Trisha throughout Utah in the months following her dif- disappearance, giving hope to her family and police that she's still alive. One man believed he saw her at a grocery store. He saw her enter with an older woman standing closely behind her. The woman appeared to be controlling her. The man was also with them. Uh, he matched the description of the man that picked her up in front of her house. Um, the witness said that her eyelids were heavy and she was behaving strangely as if she was drugged. Um, there's no corroboration whether that account was real or not right. or whether that actually happened. And then Trisha's family and the police are hoping that she's still alive and will be found. Uh, the suspects at the time this was written, none are known. The police suspect that the driver of the red car is responsible for her disappearance. He, who is a young white guy, has never been identified. Uh, he may be accompanied by an older white female. Extra notes say this first uh, this case first aired on July 12th, 2001. It's also documented on this show, and it was also on um, Unsolved Mysteries. Right. Uh, so the results what happened was the case was solved uh six months after her disappearance police began to investigate 28 year old cody lynn nielsen he was a maintenance man at a predator research facility near millville so it's like coyote research Mm -hmm. millville is like five miles outside of hiram it's kind of just out in the sticks out there Uh, oh sorry eight miles from hiram Shortly after her disappearance, he was seen using a backhoe on the facility property to dig deep trenches and then refill them for no reason. He was a maintenance man, so he had no reason to be, like, using backhoes, digging trenches, or any of that shit. Um, So they brought cadaver dogs out there, and... So what was the connection? Like, like why would they even look at him? Um, I'll get to that. Okay, sorry. I was like, uh, I was like, didn't it didn't skip over the connection, did it? No, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'll read it because I think it ties it together in a minute. 
Um, so they brought cadaver dogs to the area. Several dogs hit on one specific area, and after digging for 10 feet, authorities found a jawbone. In the other trenches, more remains were found along with clothing. Some of it had been burned. Um, in May 2001, the remains and the clothing were identified as Trisha's. There was, um, like, the ripped waistband of some panties. There was a bra. There was her tennis shoes. Some of the bones were burned. Some of them were not burned. Um, it doesn't actually say that in this report that I'm reading, but uh, there were indications on the bone, a lot of the bones, that the flesh had been scraped off with some sort of a tool. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right? I don't know for what reason. Uh, and then there later on there had been like a... Uh, what do you call the paint, the spackle flatteners, you know, those like or oh, tile yeah, yeah, yeah. spatula kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There had been found one of those with her DNA on it in his house. So it appeared that he had used a tile scraper to scrape the flesh off of her bones. But why? I know. Nut job. Um, so soon after her remains were discovered, one of her friends came forward claiming to have been raped by Nielsen a month before Trisha vanished. Uh, she claimed that he offered her a ride home from school, but instead took her out to that predator research facility and raped her. She also told police that he had given Trisha his pager number. And so when they actually started to put this together, he was in prison. Cody was in prison for rape, for raping oh, a 15 year old kid. Piece um, of shit. Yeah, totally. In so many ways. Uh, in June 2001, he was charged with kidnapping and first-degree murder. He was also charged with this other girl's rape now. So I guess I think that's three people, including Trisha, right. that are 15-year-old girls that he raped. Uh, he admitted to killing Trisha but claimed that her death was an accident. He initially pleaded guilty but later withdrew his plea, said it was made under duress. Um, at the trial, four women, sorry, four women testified that he had raped them. Uh, other witnesses testified that he had stalked Trisha prior to her disappearance in January 2004, he was convicted of her murder and given a life sentence without parole. And, and then he tried to actually, um, I don't know if it's a, if it was, he was trying to get an appeal basically because he was saying that the, his trial wasn't fair because it was held in Logan. And so that the people were, the jurors were biased against him because they knew who he was because he was from Logan. Anyways, a, a judge threw that shit out. Right. And they, I remember reading too that they had been, um, bussing in jurors from Brigham City and from Box Elder County right. into Logan because Logan had the best courthouse. Right, right. Um, so they were just like, absolutely not, and the, the conviction was upheld. Um, but a few more details that were not listed in this article that I, I remember standing out a lot were he'd, he started following her home from school, and uh, he said his name was Sam, which I guess had been his nickname uh, as a kid growing up, but he started following her home from school to the point where she was starting to get really nervous and would call her family for rides home from school. So she didn't have to like be stalked by him. Right. And, um, yeah, basically he was just a total creeper perving out on like, what would that have been like freshman from mountain crest? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just, yeah, it was no, nobody from the internet. It was just this fucking random guy, Cody Nielsen that do they know why she was out? that late at night or early in the morning like I mean I'm sure there's a lot of unsolvedness of it but like what a fucking jerk yeah I never I never got any there nobody ever um had any clarity towards any of that stuff right but yeah it was just a lot of you know I guess jerk really isn't even the right word what a fucking psycho. monster yeah yeah what a fucking monster and I was actually texting my friend last night I was like 
this is the guy, right? This is the same guy. I'm not mixing up my stories because I would hate to like actually right. not have the right guy. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh no, that's that's him. Like he's he's like, I actually saw her brother, Trisha's brother, the other day oh, and talked to him. I was good friends with her, her mom right. as well. So that's he's so like, yeah, that that shit happened. And I was like, fuck. Well, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I I uh, brought my mood down. <laughs> I told you it wasn't a good story, but it's a it's <laughs> a it's Utah a story. story. So yeah, that's the tragic story of Trish Autry and her her murder by this Cody Lynn Nielsen motherfucker. What a piece of shit! Yeah. Um, how to be excellent to each other? <laughs> Don't be a fucking monster and murder children. Stop murdering and raping children. First right? of all, that that's a good start for one. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to come, it's hard to come back from that and be like positive. Right. Um, write your congressman to not you know abuse systems that they're in charge of. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? One thing I could bring it out on a happier note. You know how we were talking about the uh, the overdose prevention centers in New York City. Mm-hmm. So far, since that's been introduced, which has been I'm I'm not going to say this right, and I don't have time to look it up, but it's been a short amount of time that that's been in play. Um, 180 overdoses have been prevented throughout the city. So it's working. Good. And those are lives that have been saved because of somebody giving a shit. Right. Yeah. I I can't tell you how many, um, not acquaintances, like people that I I know, but not well. They're like, I can think of two people recently who have died of fentanyl overdoses that their children have. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, fuck. Mm -hmm. It's an epidemic. Oh, also, if you are considering donating any money to charities this year, uh, we would like to recommend and endorse the Drug Policy Alliance. And right now, they're actually matching any donations that they get by uh, three times. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, drugpolicyalliance.org is a great place to put some money to have it help people who are struggling way better than the salvation army do not give those motherfuckers any money absolutely not so i guess on that note we'll say fuck joe mansion fuck joe mansion fuck cody lynn nielsen fuck cody neil fucking fuck face (laughs) nielsen fuck well fuck a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) don't literally fuck these people just fuck them over somehow (laughs) and if your religion tells you that you're going to be separated from your families and that you might possibly go to hell if you don't give them your money and follow their word to a t you might be in a cult right you know it's not a cult this podcast why don't you go over and leave us a five-star review on apple podcast or spotify or spotify spotify podcast readings brand new check out our website at fagbadmormon.com If you're enjoying our show, check out our YouTube, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Get the official merch at TeePublic. The link's in our link tree, which is on all of our social medias. Become a patron. You too can be part of this inner circle of debauchery. For as little as $3 a month. And lastly, if you have any stories, send them our way. If you have any experience with microdosing, if you know any murderers, if you have any funny Utah Mormon stories, we'd love to hear them. Send them to fhebadmormons at gmail.com. And we might even share them on the podcast. Yay! Alright, be excellent to each other. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>